is happening, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of the New Perceptions podcast with me, your host, Ben Brown. I am still here playing this infinite game called Life. I'm Right now I'm in the UK and you'll know this if you've been watching my YouTube vlogs, which I've been starting to do a little bit more of. Got a few more of those lined up. Yeah, life is just moving in a direction that I hadn't entirely anticipated. Right now, I feel like in this chapter of my life, I'm kind of clearing the windscreen a little bit um, just to get yeah, a bit of clarity around like where I am right now and where I want to be and the path that I'm choosing and how to get there and sort of taking stock of what's important to me and making sure that my focus and my energy and my attention is going towards the things that are actually important to me. So naturally, as we start to really ask the important questions, like, am I doing what I'm not what I want to be doing with my life right now? Is this what I want to be doing with my life? Naturally, fear comes up, anxiety comes up, sometimes depression comes up for me, and doubt. And I'm learning that it's really important to actually face these anxieties and, the, and fears. They are very real for many, many of us. Um, and this podcast actually is so potent for me and maybe you too, or anybody who feels anxiety or struggles with um, staying focused or dealing with moving through heavy emotions like grief. We talk about that in this podcast, um, which, and at the moment, like anxiety, doubt, fear, grief, depression, all of these things are very real for me. Um, but my guest today, he is like a soothing balm for those existential woes. And I love him. He's an amazing human being. His name is Charles Clay. He is a dad. He is an inner peace coach. He's a healer. He helps people with physical pain. Um, and He's just one of those dudes, you know, when you see them, you're like, okay, yo, humanity, we're going to be all right. So I invite you right now to just take a couple of deep breaths and just drop into your awareness so that you can fully receive these stories and these activating and healing codes. As always, deep, deep gratitude for you choosing to spend your time and give your attention to this podcast. And I ask in return, if you get something from this podcast, please leave a review, subscribe and share this podcast with someone who you know will benefit from it so that it can really just reach more people, you know, and help more people. Uh, my newsletter, my email newsletter sign up is on my website, which is benjam.uk, along with my art prints and other merch offerings. And your support is greatly appreciated. And now, without further ado, here is Charles Clay. <laughs> Brother Charles Clay, how are you, my man? So good. So good. Dude, yeah, happy thank to be you, here, brother. Um, Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to share your 
your energy and your wisdom and all the things that are going to unfold in this podcast I'm sure that are going to be so useful and medicinal to anybody who's listening to this so thank you thank you from my heart to yours for being here um there's a whole bunch of things that I could dive into for many many hours with you um but we've got an hour and a half so I want to talk specifically about three or four things firstly inner peace and the opposite of inner peace being anxiety um I've connected with you actually you came into my field via a couple of um podcasts that I'm very familiar with and as you were sharing your journey um I was like connecting with you just as you're being more vulnerable and around the things that you've experienced that have got to you to where you are right now and firstly I was like I have to have this man on the podcast and secondly I went and checked out your um offerings and I'm actually currently doing your laser focus method online course which I'm finding incredible so thank you for that and it's a lot around anxiety and like what the secret messages are in the anxiety so I'd love to speak to that um healing journey would also love to speak about just generally um and maybe if we've got time tapping into um the notion around physical ailments and like physical disease and pain being coming from a place that's actually like foundationally maybe emotional or energetic um that's really interesting to me yeah um and finding, finding some purpose which i think might kind of weave in from um, the other bits and pieces um if that's cool with you super cool i'm excited to dive in with you brother and um yeah we got lots to cover yeah. and uh i'm honored and it's a pleasure to be here i love getting to deep dive into these conversations and see where they go and for everyone listening <clears throat> this is a deep reminder that you are your own greatest healer and you know we seek externally for all the things oftentimes but the medicines right here you know the the uh ability to tap into greater gifts um our own medicine we each bring a very unique very specialized unique vibration to the planet that is unique to each of us and on this hero's journey we have the opportunity to get to share that medicine that that magic those gifts these skills that we develop on this path and i find when we don't share those gifts and that unique expression then it eats us up inside and it becomes very uncomfortable and it's ironic because the ego will want us to stay in that comfort zone you know what we're familiar with even though it's could be painful or a struggle it's familiar so the ego knows we can survive there however the soul we're here for so much more than survival <laughs> we're here to thrive and get to share these unique gifts talents passions and so that's what inspired the laser focus method is it's something i developed that worked really well to gamify get to do lists instead yeah. of this you know perpetual thing in the in the back of your mind that you should be doing you know we could shit all over ourselves <laughs> and it doesn't feel good so instead well, so you never get there how can we gamify it right right it's a, a perpetual endless list that mm -hmm. just keeps getting bigger so instead 
as you know, with the laser focus method, we can reframe a few things and make it fun. So it's a get to do list because we get to choose, right? If we have to do something, that's a different energy than if we get to do it. And even if it's something that we don't want to do, but it'll help move the needle in your business or um, help you in the direction of something that you do want or your purpose, mm -hmm. then, then you, there's a way to make it fun. Yeah. And if it's fun, it's sustainable. And so we can gamify it and then we use intrinsic reward systems. So this is where it gets really powerful, even for things as challenging as addiction, because when you make moves and in the direction of your purpose, of sharing your gifts, your expression, your, your, your apples, right? If you're an apple tree, it, the apple tree does not care whether you think they're sour or whether you think they're the best thing since apple pie, right? It just keeps making apples. So when we can be like that and just keep sharing our apples, our gifts, then you're on the path to long-term fulfillment. Then you're on the path to really sharing those gifts. And it's something that's so much greater than any amount of money can measure in our bank account. And yeah, so I feel that. that, I feel that it's that, it, it's that, it's that excitement of like when someone does pick up your apple and it inspires them to do something or share some of their gifts or um, take a step in, in their direction of purpose. And you get to witness and be a part of their journey in that way. It's a level of fulfillment that is uh, so profound that mm -hmm. can't be measured by money. And, and so that's what lights me up and, and has inspired me to continue with this, this work and play. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a giant game after all. Right. We we come in to this human experience as energy, as souls and and uh, none of us are getting out of here alive. <laughs> so why do we take it so seriously? You know, yeah. it's like we we um, you know, we can fear all the things. But, it's scary, though. Um, There's a lot the of things. More we it's, dare. it's very scary to be a human. Sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, what if, yes. what, well, like, that's for what me, get to talk when about. I feel into like what's most scary, um, it's to look back uh, at a life with, um, I don't want to say missed opportunities, but like um, just where I, I, I could have expressed myself more authentically or I could have created mm -hmm. something that wanted to be created through me that wanted to come through me and I, I let my um, limiting beliefs sort of prevent that from coming through me and uh, to me that scares that mm -hmm. actually that fear is the motivation for actually listening deeply to you on a podcast and then reaching out to you in your dms and sending you a message to me like actually i could really mm -hmm. use a bit of guidance around this i need i need to mm -hmm. be able to focus a little bit better because there are things that i need to create in this lifetime um so and and that immediately is alleviating my anxiety because like you said i'm moving i'm making a choice that's kind of moving the needle a little bit closer um, one of my friends recently said like oh if you if you need to get your tax sorted out if you phone the accountant you're increasing the probability of getting your taxes sorted out exponentially so like just one little step at a time mm -hmm. don't look too much at the big mountain yep. 
And I think I look at the big mountain right. of life ahead of me and the potential. And as I, especially on my spiritual journey, I'm like really feeling into like, oh, literally anything. I can, I can literally create anything. There really isn't that much that I can't do. Um, that feel that's another mm -hmm. excuse almost to be overwhelmed by it all and then not do the thing. So yeah, I'm in, I, I feel like right. I'm right on the precipice right now where I'm like really starting to put into practice for me personally, what you're teaching and what I've been learning about for so long on this path, um, without getting too obsessed about it being perfect or whether I'm doing it right or wrong, but just to like take a little step and that is alleviating, mm -hmm. alleviating my anxiety at the moment. Mm. Beautiful. All of those feelings that come up and all of those fears are totally valid, right? It's, yeah. it's, uh, all part of the journey. And so with me personally, there were the fears of rejection. There's the fears of, you know, being exiled from community. There's the fears of, um, will I be ridiculed or look stupid or will, uh, you know, will I make a, an, an a-hole of myself, right? And those actually become very tiny compared to my biggest fear. And so when I really got to know anxiety and broke it down to what it is, it helped me stare my biggest fear straight in the face. And that's why I've come to appreciate and it's changed my whole relationship with anxiety because, you know, this A word, even that A word itself can create constriction in our mm -hmm. systems because we're so used to the experience of it. And so it has a charge to it and it can feel like very constrictive or like nails on a chalkboard. So if we call the A word what it is, it's literally energy, right? And energy is information. And so if we're experiencing a lot of energy, then there's a lot of information flowing through our systems. And when I was, you know, a pro at finding all the ways to push it away, to escape from it, to not feel that anxiety, that energy, because it was so uncomfortable. Yet years I did that. I developed tons of strategies, tried everything in the book, um, came up with my own ways to to avoid it but it would always come back even louder more fierce more um and and usually at the worst times <laughs> right like yeah, yeah. If, if anyone's had a panic attack man it's like it doesn't come when you have time and space to deal with it it's usually yeah. like the worst situations oftentimes and so finally I was like, well, I've tried everything else. It's like when you lose your keys, it's the last place you look, right? Yeah. So why don't I invite this energy in for tea? I invited anxiety in and <laughs> sat with it as if it was an old familiar friend that had been knocking at my door for a long time with some important information to share with me, but I've just mm -hmm. been ignoring or, or avoiding it. And so huge shifts happen when I began allowing myself to sit with that. And it was profound. It was super uncomfortable at first. But then as I set my reticular activation, we could dive into that a little bit more to what are the lessons and blessings in this energy? What is this trying to share with me? With that self inquiry, it allowed me to navigate and find more of the answers in an accelerated fashion. And guess what I discovered? 
you know, anxiety was like, there's a reason that this feels so fearful. There's a reason that you've been hiding from this because yes, it can, it can make you scared. And yet if you really see it for what it is, I got to take a, a look at anxiety and realize my biggest fear above all the rejection, the, you know, being outcast and all the, all the silly perfectionist fears. There was one that superseded that. And it was the fear of deathbed regrets. The fear of coming into this life, getting this epic sensory suit for such a short time to call home and having all these God-given gifts that if I don't share them and I don't get to, you know, write that book or share that uh, message on stage or get to create programs that, that want to move through me and, and help a lot of people, I would be on my deathbed totally regretting if I don't share all that, that message on my heart, that medicine that's unique to me. And so that's one beautiful part of being so close to death in my life of my loved ones. You know, I've lost uh, both my parents and that has helped me being that close to death has helped me actually fully live life and understand that this is all temporary. So with that, knowing that I can tune into someday we will be, you know, on our deathbed or it'll be our last day. Did we do it all? You know, in the best way, the most fun way, the, the highest celebration. I mean, what if, what if this whole human experience, what if it was a fun game of who can have the most fun while we're here, yeah. sharing the most gifts, talents and passions while we're here on this planet. And that literally shifted everything for me because then I looked at fear as an inspiration. It was actually like a catalyst for, wow, I have some work to do. And that's what my old friend anxiety was telling me. He was like, Hey, you have some amazing gifts. You have all these ideas already written down on a, you know, notepad on my phone that I've just been collecting cobwebs. Meanwhile, if I was really honest with myself, I was way over consuming uh, substances, food, alcohol, all the things over consuming instead of creating. And we've just been conditioned that way. So I'm sure a lot of people can relate. Mm-hmm. And it's, it might not be our fault because we've just been instilled to seek externally and to consume, consume, consume. Yet, is there anyone more responsible than ourselves to shift that? And to change that so that we don't have deathbed regrets, right? Mm. And there's no better time than right now. You're going to, to be waiting that. a while. So that little step for permission from someone else to that's actually right. do that's what right. needs to be done. You might have a few people exactly. like putting a rocket up your ass, but like you've got to actually take this step yourself. Yeah. That's amazing. There's so Absolutely. much gold in there already, Charles. Yeah. Um, and one thing that was coming up for me is just thinking or, or feeling into if someone's listening to this right now and they're like that sounds great but like it's so overwhelming like to be a human right now like it's not just like mm-hmm. anxiety that we that maybe it poor pre-pandemic anxiety or you know like th- there's so sure. much chaos in the world and what are some practical steps if it feels like it literally is way too much to even think about looking at it what's maybe just like a is there like a small step so you don't have to just open the whole like 
door at once. Absolutely, Pandora's through. box. Yeah. Yeah. How can, how <laughs> yeah. can someone make just a yeah, little it's a, it's a great, bit of headway? Mm. It's a great question, and um, I've always started with one of the greatest tools that's right under our nose the whole time: the power of breath. And this allows us, there's powerful breath techniques. I teach a, a 4-8 expansion breath, and it's very simple. It's a very easy way to inhale for four seconds, expanding in every direction, and then exhaling for eight seconds all the way to empty, just letting all your weight drop, just exhaling slowly, ironing out smooth exhalation until you get to empty, and then begin again. And you could do a series of this, four in, eight out, and what happens is exhaling longer than you inhale allows our nervous system to calm down. And this can slow things down and allow us to actually take a look at what's most important. Because if we're overwhelmed, then there's a lot of information coming in, right? And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things on that get-to-do list. And so what if we were to just calm our nervous system Remember our natural state of inner peace is always available to us and then choose what's the most important one thing on this list. What's the most important thing that would help move the needle in my direction of my purpose, sharing my gifts uh, as a creator. And then the other things can go to the side for now and just focus on that one thing. And this allows anyone that's experiencing overwhelm, it's like even if you write it down, on paper it's getting it out of here instead of just running circles and open loops it's like getting that information on that even if it scribbles and doesn't look good that's fine write it all out in a list and then pick the one thing and you can even nice. number them one two three four whatever is most important but prioritizing allows you to tune into what's most important right now and so when that breath technique is really powerful for any time we're feeling triggers. Anytime mm -hmm. we're feeling heavy emotions, um, we're getting rattled, our nervous system takes a hit. It's like my Batman utility belt first tool that I, that I go to. Nice. And, and so now when, when you get good at it, you can get to Jedi level and then it's like, you know, six seconds in, 12 second exhale. And, mm -hmm. and really, um, you know, there's always another level. And so, you get good at this practice, it's great to do right before you eat, right? Because when we sit down to eat, if we're nervous, if we're uh, feeling guilt or any of these emotions that, you know, like, oh, I shouldn't be eating this donut right now, then we're literally consuming the energy of guilt. Wow. And like putting that in our body with this food, right? So, so slowing things down, allowing your body to come into rest and digest mode before you eat can allow you for a nice little ceremony of gratitude and appreciation for this amazing food, the sensory input that we get from all the, the colors and the abundance that Mother Earth is providing us that we get to uh, nourish ourselves with. And then, mm. you know, you can designate yourself as a food connoisseur. And by calming your nervous system down, not only does this help you improve your digestion and assimilation in your system, but it also allows you to really enjoy that food and every bite as if you're going to write a novel about it and enjoy the the sensory input, the, you know, the, the experience of it, like every flavor, texture, you know, write a novel about it. 
feels like share it with whoever you're eating with just with that breath it's like creating the space Mm -hmm. for almost like putting all the other things on pause even though you're not actually putting anything on pause you're just putting the the things that are busy in the mind on pause and as i do that because i I've been practicing this and I didn't realize that that's what I was practicing. Um, but just in any given mm-hmm. moment, just coming back to that breath and doing that longer out than in, and just, it feels like it's like a, a warm blanket just kind of comes over and brings me into a bit of presence where yes. it's like, okay, it, it, the, the more of my attention and my focus that I can actually give to and my presence that I can give to this mouthful of food, actually the more I'm going to receive yes. from that mouthful of food as well, or whatever it is that yes. I might be doing. And earlier when you were saying that, I was thinking there have been moments in my life actually where the thing that is at the highest on the, my priority list for me to do may well have been like edit a vlog or reply to my accountants or all of these things. But sometimes it's also been like, have a shower and brush my teeth. (laughs) And it's, it's like, if if I don't get the basics right, then that cumulatively will almost feel like a big tax bill (laughs) that is coming in. And so just in in the moment it's like don't skip the trivial things if that's what's kind of being mm-hmm. invited um yes we've got these big long thing dreams and like i want to buy a house one day and i want to have a farm and i'm saving up for a camper van so i can do van life. but also i gotta brush my teeth like first that's like yep. one thing you know mm. and that gives you a quick win that's yeah. one thing oh. you can check off your get to do list that builds momentum right wow i already brushed my okay. teeth and i made my bed this is two wins that are building momentum and then you can incorporate healthy celebrations with that and this Mm -hmm. is what i teach in the laser focus method healthy celebrations are instead of woohoo i moved the needle had a big win today you know i i finished that report or that video and got to share it instead of you know the old way charles 1.0 would be like cool let's go out and celebrate with tequila shots and and a huge, you know, king size uh, dinner, right? Instead, mm-hmm. now I choose from a list of healthy celebrations. And these are things that naturally evoke the feel good hormones, neurotransmitters, and, and, and uh, you know, endorphins and those feel good pharmacy that's already within you. So for me, that would be if I'm feeling, if I tune in and I'm like, man, I just crushed it. My clients are doing amazing. I had some amazing calls. I deserve a healthy celebration. I'll hop on my bike and go for a mountain biking trail, take some jumps. And I feel like I'm tapping into my five-year-old genius. It's nostalgic for me. And I go as fast as I want and feel the wind just blowing through my hair. And I'm, <clears throat> it's this feeling of freedom, right? That, that helps me activate the pharmacy that's already within me of you know, the adrenaline, the, the serotonin, the dopamine, the oxytocin, all these good feelings. I'm just self-sourcing it by doing that healthy celebration. And then I'll ride to the lake, jump off the cliff and just float in a lake of gratitude. And I can do all that in like 30 minutes and then come back. And now I'm super centered, super focused for my next thing on the get to do list. Nice. And then it becomes fun because I'm already building momentum. I'm like, I got this. Let's crush this out. What's next? And then you yeah. have a healthy celebration to look forward to. 
And those of us that are <clears throat> big doers, you're, uh, you know, always staying busy, might not be very productive, but always staying busy, then your favorite healthy celebration might be something on the yin side, more of a, a relaxation practice. You know, maybe it's a Epsom salt bath and light some candles and just let yourself fully relax, practice your 4-8 expansion breath and just melt into a nice, you know, salt bath with some CBD oils or whatever. And just notice how this puts you into receptive mode. And then in those modes, or maybe it's singing in the shower. It's a great healthy celebration, right? And that's a creative one where you're stepping into the flow state of creating. You could put on your favorite song and sing along to it. Um, these are all ways of evoking those natural feel-good hormones and, and neurotransmitters within us so that we don't need them externally. We don't need right. to jump on Instagram as much for dopamine if you're self-sourcing it with the things that you love doing, right? <clears throat> Even if that's yeah. relaxing and reading a book in your hammock. You know, that's a yeah. great healthy celebration. Yeah, and, that's incredible, And so dude. then like, you um, get really... Sorry to interrupt, man. I just like yeah, as you were saying changer. that, because right now I feel like, it, particularly, I, I've been building momentum around making those slightly more healthy choices, particularly after um, starting your uh, laser focus method course and um, d putting to practice what you're you are speaking to in this course. And my mm -hmm. previous ways of celebrating. Um, would be to if I if I got a video out and um, or did some work or whatever I needed to get done I would roll a joint in the evening and get super stoned put like music on and just blast off into the stars and then go swimming in the sure. world of infinite possibilities and ideas and I'd get so much enjoyment from like my imagination just going bananas and imagining what it is that I could create in this world um, but I'm realizing mm -hmm. that like that process for me is done really in terms of in, in uh, uh, a way of me celebrating um, because it doesn't actually <laughs> feed back into the continuation of the thing that I'm celebrating right. in the first place. And right. um, although I, I, I get I get a lot from cannabis in a lot of different ways, but if I'm using it like that, it almost feels like I'm missing out on an opportunity for me to do some rewiring in my brain is is is, is it like a neuroplasticity yeah. thing is it like a also to do with like bu building new habits um and Absolutely. Yeah, my go-to has been like get get stoned in the evening and relax um, mm -hmm. right yeah, i don't know if you can relate to that so there's there's absolutely yeah i had a quite a relationship with cannabis um early on it was one of my go-tos as well for celebrating. Yeah. And then I found that, you know, as I was abusing it more than just using it, it was the, the return on investment was depleted, <laughs> right? I was way more unmotivated. I was over-consuming food, the munchies, all the things. So it wasn't taking me in a good trajectory. And so mm -hmm. that's when transformation and breakthroughs begin is when we're really honest with ourselves. How is my relationship with this substance and am I using it to, so that it serves me or is it uh, out of balance and it's not serving me and causing some issues? And so I definitely hit that place. And, and so what I did was 
used my inner peace process, which is a step-by-step process to go inward to where the source of unprocessed emotions might lie within our body. And our body's so intelligent. It's always telling us where these issues in our tissues are hiding. And, and it also has it prioritized as to what it's ready to release and let go of, just like trees let go of their leaves in the fall. Our body is ready to let go of what's no longer in harmony and what no longer serves us and what's um, to make room for more greatness to come into our experience. But those, your aspirations and your dreams and those amazing opportunities and the people, that stuff can't come into your experience. The universe wants to experience itself through you. But if we're holding on to all this stuff and we're still choosing, you know, cannabis and over-consuming, then there's not a lot of room. We already got our hands full. We're still, we still have all these leaves that we haven't let go of yet. Whereas in nature, it's so easy. You just watch it every fall. The trees just let go of their leaves. They grow deeper roots, taller branches, and even more beautiful leaves by doing that. And this is letting go of the people that might not be on the same growth trajectory as you in your life. Or, you know, the, they call them toxic people. I just think it's just people that are on a different growth path. And so if you, you know, humans, unlike the tree and in nature, are like, we love holding on to stuff, mm-hmm. but the more we can let go of and actually grieve, have a process around like, wow, I really enjoyed what I learned from this experience. And that's what we haven't been taught in school is how to grieve. And so when my personal relationship with cannabis was way out of balance, <clears throat> that's where it took me. I realized, wow, why am I continuing to resort to this as a celebration or as a crutch when I'm not feeling good? And it was Chinese medicine. We know that lungs are associated with grief. Mm-hmm. So I was, it was this aha, of course, I'm, <clears throat> I haven't fully processed the grief of losing my mom. And so I've been resorting to this cannabis to not go to that scary place within myself because I hadn't been there before. And it's, it's scary to grieve, to fully let go. And so knowing that I was like, well, I can get to the bottom of this now. And I took it through my inner peace process and of course found where I had just not, I, I remember being at my mom's funeral, sitting next to my brother, you know, I was um, 10 years old and I tried not to cry at my own mom's funeral because I picked up the belief that, you know, Hey, men don't cry. That's a sign of weakness. You know, don't be a pussy. These are the beliefs that were running already at an early age by hanging out with older kids. And so here I am trying to hold back those tears at my mom's funeral. And it took me years to unravel those layers and by taking space from cannabis and choosing to do more creative endeavors, this allowed me space to actually feel deeper depths of grief. And it's so fascinating because every time I would go deeper into those scary emotions and those spaces within me, it was right in my gut, second chakra, just holding on to this like, you know, and I was having stomach issues too. So all this was related to showing, my body was showing me tons of signs as to where to look And instead, I kept resorting to that crutch until that day when I realized, okay, I'm holding on to some grief. Let's just go into this and see if we can resolve it for good and understand what what are the lessons and blessings from this. 
And there were amazing lessons of blessings to discover in the depths of those emotions. And what I discovered is like to, well, fast forward, my father, you know, my hero, 6'5", epic legend. This guy, one of the best storytellers, a builder, he built a legacy of homes um, for beautiful families. And, you know, he told me one day, called me up and I could tell by his voice. He said, Charles, I got to tell you something. And I knew, I knew the whole energy was something serious. And he was like, I just left the doctor's office and found out that I have stage four lung cancer. And they only gave me two months to live. And I paused and I took that breath, that expansion breath and exhale. Before I chose my next words wisely, I said, Dad, do you want to beat this? Do you want to live? And he said, you're damn right I do. And I said, good, then don't listen to a word those doctors said. We're going to get you on everything that's already curing cancer naturally and cut out all the things that were creating it. Sound good? And he was on board and boom, this took us on an epic hero's journey. And he became like the ultimate biohacker. You know, I got him on infrared sauna. Uh, we, I even taught him how to do coffee enemas. We were using the Gerson protocol. Uh, juicing, cutting out the sugars, uh, getting them in the sunlight, all the things, right? So he became so into it that at one point he went to the doctor's office, came out and was so excited to call me and say that the CAT scan said there was no cancer. What? Well, nothing. Uh, yeah. Nothing at all. Amazing. And so, nothing at oh, all. He quit smoking. He quit okay. smoking too. And he I was going to ask, so, like, is yeah, there a so, smoking so and a grieving and an emotional aspect to this? Yep. So okay. he, I've only seen him cry once in his life. And it was after my grandpa passed. And I remember I was so glad that I asked him this question because we're on the drive home. It's really um, sad, somber. We're just honoring my grandfather. And, and I'm a young kid. And I remember asking my dad, I said, Dad, what do you miss most about Grandpa? And I'll never forget his answer. It was so simple. He said, you know, I just miss being able to pick up the phone and call him and just check in to see how he's doing, you know, shoot the crap, see how, talk about football, the things. It's just those, that connection, that check-in. And that really stuck with me. I was so glad I asked because I would always call my dad. Every week we would, we would chat and get to connect in that way. And so we took his journey. If he had listened to that doctor and believed what that man in the white suit told him, he probably would have died two months later, like a lot of people do. But because he chose a different path and to cut out the things that were creating cancer, cancer is like the cells that no longer want to live in our system, right? And he didn't feel a lot of grief. He wasn't taught how to do that. And so his crutch was cigarette smoking. So he was able to quit for long periods of time. And, and then eventually he went back to e-cig smoking and started bringing back in some of the sugar and some of the things. But by then we had turned two months into two years. Wow. And in that two years, knowing that I had already lost my mom. So I know this is all temporary. And that Every smile I got to share with him, every laugh, 
every you know song we got to sing that was gold like i was fully there present for that so i could anchor in these memories in vivid hd to cherish forever with him and so fast forward you know here we are um i would show up i'd fly out from san diego when i get the call that he was in the hospital again and and i'd roll up my sleeves and be like all right dad what's it gonna take to get you out of here and i'd talk to the doctor and say what do we need to do? Three laps around the, the, the hospital here to get him out? Let's get him checked off. Let's go. And um, so I'd do all the things to get him out of the hospital. We'd take him to the, the park, give him some sunlight, vitamin D, some grounding. And again, like every little smile, he was just, we were just soaking it in. And then there was one time when I could tell by my brother's voice when he called. He said, dad's not doing so good. He's back home. He's in hospice and um, you might want to come back. And so grabbed my stuff, bought a flight, showed up. And as soon as I saw my dad, I was like, man, I rolled down my sleeves and realized this time his body was in so much pain. He was so weak. It was like close to his time. And I wasn't there to save him this time. This was like, I'm there to help him transition. And the tears started coming. And then we had a friend of his that played the guitar. And I sat next to my dad, my hand on his shoulder. And our buddy played this song called Let It Flow. And it was just turning on the faucet for a full, it was the first time I really let myself be seen in just an ugly cry snot bubbles, just tears flowing down. And I let myself go there because I had not experienced that deep of depths of, of grief. And the beauty was that my dad got to witness this. He got to witness me going deeper into this emotion that he wasn't able or didn't know how to feel and see the beauty in that. Like those tears, that's liquid emotion showing him how much he means to me how much I care about him, how much I love him. So it was such a pivotal moment for me and getting to, to heal those deeper layers of grief. And in doing that, I don't have the same magnetism to use cannabis as a crutch. It's gone. I don't have the, the same. There's always something underlying that that's, that's making us want to reach out externally for the thing whatever it is, sugar, alcohol, cannabis. So in that, just found so much gold by going deeper into the depths of that grief um, and getting to be seen in that by my father on his last moments. And I'll never forget, you know, I got to, got to be there with him through it all. And I was holding his hand. We're, we're close. And it was, you know, he's on his deathbed. We're all huddled around and and he was in so much pain. It was like, I could just tell he was just holding on for us. And he was still coherent. And so everything I could say, I knew he was registering it. And I, I just told him, I said, dad, I need you to know we love you so much and we will always be with you. And where you're going is so peaceful. It's so beautiful. There's no need to fight anymore. And literally, he took his last breath after those words, and I felt his energy leave his body. Wow. And it was such like a profound like gift. Feeling 
yeah. like his time he was done and that not only that but he was yeah. he was safe to transition then and yeah. w whatever part of him was like holding on yeah. um your vulnerability and your grieving do you feel like as an energy worker and as a healer that you were to some degree doing greets grieving for him and is that a thing that people can do because I'm, I'm i'm incredibly sensitive and um i'm i'm a i'm pisces and i feel deeply mm -hmm. sorrow and grief and part some people have told me like oh you're here to feel the world's grief welcome to the club but it's beautiful mm -hmm. um right and is that a thing can you grieve for other people that aren't able to go there you could try i've tried and it it can just like with pain if you try to take on others pain and heal it for them this is what a lot of empaths i'm sure can relate to and in falling into that it actually doesn't honor either person but if we could take responsibility for the grief that we're experiencing and where that shows up in our body and have a process to release that layer by layer, then you're not only healing yourself, but you are, it creates a ripple effect and it allows for generational healing from, yeah. you know, seven generations back and my greatest inspiration, my little girl and another one on the way, every time I see her and I get triggered, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm getting hit with, you know, some, some heavy curveballs in life. And I notice the mind's band-aids. It's like, ah, this feels terrible. Like, hurry, go to the fridge and stuff it. Go on Netflix and just escape from it. Or go get caught in a scroll hole and find some dopamine on Instagram, right? Yeah. So I know, I see that. I use my 4-8 expansion breath and notice those band-aids. Thanks, mind. That's only a temporary so-called solution. But I'm going to choose the inner peace process get my journal out, I take it inward and find where the source of that is coming from and notice the decisions that I made at a younger time in my life that were still running in my subconscious because of those unprocessed emotions. So that's where the, the subconscious beliefs of I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, uh, you know, love has to equal pain, all these beliefs that then are running in our subconscious, recreating that experience over and over again, so painful until we go back to the source. And so that's why the inner peace process has been so profound because it's a tool, it's a self healing and empowering tool to allow us to choose. I can go for temporary coping or I could take it to the source and heal this for myself. And this is one less program, negative belief system and generational wound that needs to be carried forth to my daughters and future generations. So that inspires me to keep doing the inner work and play more than ever because I get to look at her and be like, man, imagine what's possible. And she doesn't have to go through the same limiting beliefs, the same generational wounds that I have the ability to heal now. It's yeah. exciting to imagine because she's straight from source. She's her imagination, her, you know, brilliance is is incredible and so Every time I'm releasing layers of these old programs that we've been passing down for generations, then it ends here. And, and that's exciting to imagine what's possible with our future and our, our children when we do that inner work. So I think a lot of parents can relate to that 
And, uh, and there's, you know, these little beings, man, they're such great teachers. Our children are like, it's right in your face, all the emotional swings, all the things. And so, you know, I have to get, I've gotten to be Jedi level at how to fill my cup <laughs> in what used to take an hour uh, alignment activation. Now I can do it in like two to five minutes so that yeah. I have my cup overflowing. I'm in full sovereign chi, you know, full energetic governance of my life force energy so that I'm overflowing with unconditional love. Then I can handle and all the challenges, you know, then I can support and make sure all the other needs are taken care of. You know, it's just like on the flight. If your flight's in turbulence, you know, they say, put the mask on yourself first and then others. It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah, the when the we old get good paradigm at of like martyrdom mm -hmm. is it's over, isn't it? It's, it's, it's not a, it's not working for us anymore. Um, it's not working. There's too many yeah. people running around with empty cups, trying to fill other, other cups. And that's what I was getting at with the taking on others pain. I made right. this mistake as an empath in my first you know, year of um, opening my healing practice, man, I was just, it was like this um, almost like subconscious uh, blind spot of this heroic ego wanting to take the pain away for them. And I would leave these sessions like gut ache, second chakra, I would be like super tapped out of my energy. And so I knew something was wrong with the way I was doing things. And so that led me intuitively to um, Francesca McCartney. She is literally a modern day white witch teaching a school of Hogwarts. <laughs> if you, for all your Harry <laughs> Potter fans, it's called the Academy of Intuitive Medicine. And I was fortunate enough to get to um, take her first course live in person in Sausalito while we were in the Bay. And amazing, um, subtle energies, understanding when we're taking on others energy in second chakra, like we're walking around and our second chakra is wide open. It's like a lot of energy taking on in that. That's our creative womb. That's our um, center for emotional capacity and, and also sexual energy. So there's a lot going on there. And if we're taking on and courting all these different energies there, then it can be super draining. And so, I gained some really powerful practices for coming into sovereignty. It's, it's um, energetic hygiene. And I teach my version of this in my inner peace process, the one-on-one -on -one coaching I do, the freedom from pain course. So these are really powerful because there's a better way. You know, instead of like always feeling the need, somebody's going through something and they're in a lot of pain, emotionally or physically, where we meet them, we're right here. The, the typical empath would be, oh, let me come down and meet you here. I totally understand what you're going through. And, you know, as nice as that seems, it's like we oftentimes end up taking on a lot of that energy. And then it can be like two crabs in a pot, you know, like one, one crab's about to get out. The other one like pulls it down. No, misery loves company, right? Whereas, so that's energetically at a second chakra wide open. So closing down to about, you know, 20% second chakra, opening up 110% fourth chakra, then I can maintain my vibration and honor exactly where they're at on their journey, what they're going through and beam them with unconditional love and compassion and just hold mm -hmm. sacred space. 
And this is so much more powerful because this allows us to stay where we're at on our energetic vibration and it allows them to actually go through their own experience and feel the safety of doing that with someone, right? And then it's so much more potent when they're coming to their own conclusions, their own epiphanies, uh, their own answers are self-sourced by, um, you know, receiving that level of compassion and being seen in that, that there's oftentimes not a lot of advice that's needed to be given here, you know? And then once they receive those answers and move through those feelings, boom, they can meet us here. And then it's like, we're both, nice, yeah. both I, um, move through that together, which allows for deeper connection. It's beautiful. That is, that is beautiful. And thank you for explaining that particularly for my benefit. <laughs> I, um, I know I often have so much to offer and I know that, um, um, particularly men, like when I'm in, I live in Cape town normally and there's a lot of festivals. I love going to music and art festivals and I find myself connecting, um, with, uh, younger brothers who have been watching my YouTube stuff for like eight years since they're like 14 or something. And they're like having their first psychedelic experience. And it's like a very open and free space to be in. And they'll see me and recognize me and firstly be like, what are you doing here? Secondly, like I, I, when I ask them how they're doing, because they've watched my more recent, more vulnerable content, they feel safe to really tell me how they're doing. And they're like, Oh, I'm actually struggling yeah. with my relationship or this. And there's a part of me here that when I really tap into listening, it, it almost like, it, it just feels like I'm putting this bubble around them just naturally. And I'm like, you're really safe mm -hmm. here to like talk yeah. to me about yeah. this stuff like right now. And to begin with that, I was so, so excited about that because I'd find they'd really mm -hmm. get so much from it. Um, and then I found myself doing it in a, in a way that's, um, like you were saying, where I'd come down and be like, I totally resonate with you. I'm, and even saying mm -hmm. things like, I totally resonate with you is bringing me even into more coherence with where they're at. And I mm -hmm. found my ego would want to be the fixer, to be the healer, mm -hmm. to be the person right. who could bring the solution right. to you to make me feel better about myself. And like you're, like you're saying, much more effective if I can actually just blast them with that unconditional love. And yep. if it's now is the time for them to have that realization and move through that emotion and have that experience, then great. If not, it's not because I didn't do something, you know, right. a lot of the time it's right. like, oh, now's the opportunity. I, it's my opportunity to help you. And there's something that I must do. And mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, just thank you for um, sort of bringing some clarity absolutely to that well. it's a huge difference that was a game changer for me and and the people i share this with because um you know it's just like think about the other end if you're in an inquiry and somebody just gives you the answer they're like oh you just need to do this right it's not as impactful as if you actually feel through what's real and what's coming up knowing that those feelings are perfect even if it's uncomfortable and then your own answers come your own oh this is the next step then it's just so much more impactful right then yeah. and and we might be up here and totally know the answer <laughs> of what could help them right but oftentimes it's yeah. better to just hold sacred space and let them have their experience and know and let them know that they're they're loved through it they're seen through it and that you have un unconditional love and compassion for them and so they can mm -hmm. have their experience yeah it's beautiful so that's the difference between um, I choose, 
I choose fourth chakra compassion over second chakra open uh, empathy any day. Because then I, I take on less energy from others. That's, I call it 3D debris. It's like right. the, the heavy denseness that we take on that we are just carrying and weighing us on. And it can be unprocessed emotions. Um, it can be, you know, triggers, um, programs that we haven't fully dealt with yet that just keep adding on and piling up until we finally give ourselves a break to chill out and relax. And then it could come up like a volcano. Right. Wow. So, and then yeah. how great do you feel after a good cry? Right. That feeling mm. of letting go, literally letting go of 3d debris, just dropping the weight, dropping your baggage. And then you just feel like light as a feather, super clear. Like you let those tears fall yeah. and it's like a new level of clarity can ensue. And then uh, like once inspired. I've had a big release and a big cry like that, I don't feel the need to go and smoke or I don't feel the need to right. go and snack because right. I feel like exactly. I'm lighter. I've, yeah. Like you said, put, put some bags down. And, um, yep. I, for me with my, um, addictive tendency around, uh, avoidance really of what the, the, the dream that wants to be manifested through or the creation that wants to come through me and that, um, the avoidance with smoking, particularly, I think that that's, I think it's quite a hot topic because um, cannabis is such a master, masterful medicine, um, mm -hmm. but can be quite the trickster um, and mm -hmm. teach you, teach us in ways that aren't necessarily like um, how we want to be taught. Or anyway, a lot of people smoke these days, and. Um, it's becoming more and more common for people to be regularly mm -hmm. using um, cannabis. And after, I don't know what your experience is like, and if you feel like sharing around any plant medicine experiences that you might have had. Mm -hmm. but recently, this I, the only five gram mushroom journey that I've had this year, I had six weeks afterwards where I went from smoking every day to not even wanting, I'd like laugh at the idea of wanting to use cannabis. And big part yes. of that was that I did some deep grieving and deep crying um, through mm -hmm. my journey and for a couple of days afterwards as well. Um, and then it's own, and, and then I felt like um, the mental clarity that I had around and the self-confidence I had around, okay, that's whatever this next step is to alleviate my anxiety by actually mm -hmm. um, doing what needs to be done. Do you, right. do you work with plant medicine at all? And um, is only there, when I feel uh, called. Okay. And yes. Yeah. But it's <laughs> a, it's a strong intuitive hit. Um, mm. So, you know, for instance, um, I was called to Bufo, the, the toad medicine, 5-MEO. Mm. And, and thank God that my intuition and the courage to go there because I had such a profound experience of rebirth in ways and got to experience what it's like again as energy outside of these bodies, the feeling of everything and nothing and just this bliss, just euphoric, amazing experience that then when I came back into my body, um, that experiencing that and then getting to anchor that in and bring that back into my physical awareness, I call it embodied wisdom. That was why I could share with my father on those last moments, where you're going is beautiful, where you're going is so peaceful and blissful. 
I could share that with pure conviction and, yeah. and he, he, he knew. And so he could feel it's, it. um, you know, you, yeah. And you looking back, you see how all these dots connect into why I'm called to certain medicines. And I've, I've sat with um, mother ayahuasca many times and I always leave tons of time for integration after that, because there's so many layers and so many more epiphanies and integration that's required to really um, connect deeply with these medicines. And so when I get the intuitive hit, yes, because there was a time when um, I used to do it just to get high. You know, I could share a funny story. Early on in high school, um, my best, my best friend, my best friend in high school was, uh, his name was Jason Humphrey. We called him Humps. And his dad was the principal of our high school. And he lived five houses down from me. So we became good friends. And um, so we're over there playing basketball on our sport court and stuff. And I remember keep seeing these huge patches of mushrooms in his yard. And I was like, Humps, we should see what these are. Like, there's a lot of mushrooms growing <laughs> in your yard. So we, so, so we got her, so we got our friend Max, who's like, everybody has the friend that's a genius and super, you know, lots of wisdom in the, the psychedelic realm. He brings his books over and he's scrolling through these books. He's like, Oh my gosh. We're like what? He goes, these are blue ringers. We're like, what is that? He goes, these are hallucinogenic. And we're like, yes. Awesome. So blue ringers have this blue ring around the stem. So it's really easy to tell and differentiate them. And sure enough, the principal's yard was growing huge patches of these psychedelic mushrooms. The, the irony was incredible. And so you we can't write this, literally, right? <laughs> oh, it was so great. So every, every Friday or weekend that our parents were out of town, we would uh, just get mountains of these mushrooms and have a tea party at whoever's house their parents were gone and we would all just have stuffed these mushrooms into like mom's nylon and boil them in a big pot and have these like deep dive tea parties and this was before mm. we knew about creating a sacred container or you know setting intention this was just purely because we were called to the medicine and we got out of our minds and so this was pretty early on that i you know found you? that so this was uh, freshman and sophomore year in high school. Yeah, so I, don't know what that I was means. like 16, 17, 16, 17. And, um, and actually, my, the first, the first so-called drug I ever tried was LSD. And this was early on, you know, middle school, high school, because there was one friend that had done it. He was versed in it. And I remember him sharing a story, and it was just something in me was like, that's for me. And this was, I was a big, strong no to cannabis and all the things, all the gateway drugs. I was like, nah. Same. But when it came to this LSD journey that one friend had shared me his experience and I was called to it, I was like, all right, let's do this. And, and it showed me things just early on, you know, I literally got so daring with it that I, I didn't do it very often, but when I did, I even did it at school once. So here I was in Spanish class, took way too much LSD, and I am eyes wide open, seeing through the veils of the matrix, the walls are bubbling, and my Spanish teacher is like, it's the real good. She's like pointing at people and all that is so much energy, 
And I realized all the crap that they're teaching us in high school. I was like, wow, you just saw straight five in that instant. 90% of what I'm being taught here, I will never use and doesn't even resonate with me and is essentially a waste of my time. So I realized it's a, it's a big joke and that I might as well have as much fun as possible and just enjoy the experience and really just focus on the things that I did want to learn. And so I drew a lot through high school. I was an artist. And so I'd sit in classes and they were teaching, you know, like, you know, 1842 Columbus, blah, 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 all this history lessons. Um, and I would be just drawing like wild drawings and actually transmuting a lot of emotions into my art. And so it was a lot of like, you know, superhero kind of blood and guts and guns and stuff, which I didn't realize till later I was um, releasing a lot of um, pain from losing my mom early on. So fascinating. Uh, here I am seeing through the matrix, like my sophomore year in high I'm school and just seeing, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was incredible. I'd never, and there's no going back, you know, once you see that. And so I was like, this is a flawed system. And we could be doing this way, way better. And so I made sure yeah. to get the grades I needed to go to the college that I wanted and then get the full college experience too, which was similar because the first two years are all these GEDs that I'm just like, am I, I'm paying for this. Like, I don't think I need to know this. And, and yet finally the last two years, I finally got to dive into exercise science, kinesiology and, and um, sports psychology and these things that really lit me up. So I felt like I made sure to get my money's worth with not only the education, but the experience of it. And so that was really helpful for me that I was called to that medicine early on and got to see beyond the veils and, and feel, you know, what, what was possible in these human bodies. I'd yeah. never felt that way before. It was just like <laughs> lucid. I, I'm like, I, I knew what I totally connected with Bruce Lee. He became one of my like mentors. It was like, I get it. I know what he's seeing. He's like, be like water. You put the cup, you put water in the cup becomes the cup. And I felt that it was just this fluidity of, wow, we are, mm -hmm. you know, 70, 80% water and, yeah. and how we speak, how we talk about ourselves, our feelings, this is emitting and every cell of our body is responding to that. So mm -hmm. are we being good captains of our ship? Are we being good rulers of our kingdom? Because every cell is always responding. If we're talking negatively about ourselves, you know, they've, they've showed it with doctors. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah. It shows like the crystals. If you haven't, if you've never seen the uh, Dr. Uh, Emoto has an incredible um, pictures and illustrations of water and the super uh, magnified water crystals with words like hate or even like Hitler and all these things that are just like these mm. uh, weird, ugly globs of, you know, crystallization. And then mm. when it says love and they're labeled with words of affirmation and compassion, it's these epic, just amazing, like looks like sacred geometry, these like beautiful yeah, yeah, snowflakes. Yeah. So that's happening on a cellular level. This was a huge aha moment for me. It was like, wow, yeah. we can consciously choose very wisely our words and our thoughts that we identify with so that we can allow for more of the good feelings because our cells are always responding to that. And this is 
um, took me on a, a powerful healing journey, realizing that um, anything they say is incurable is totally false. Um, it's Amazing. just that it, it hasn't been cured by medicine and the past science. Science is a, a measure of the past, right? So yeah. this was tapping into some great intelligence that I got to apply and utilize um, throughout my life and, and heal things like eczema, heal addictions, um, heal my back from a devastating back injury. And that cracked me open to helping me align with my purpose of getting to share these gifts more. It's such a beautiful way of reminding mm -hmm. people that you have an inner healer and you are your greatest doctor. And so, and, yeah. and you can follow your intuition to receiving, you know, whether it's from plant medicines or from, um, Bruce Lee or, you know, whoever inspires you. Right. So it's so fascinating, you know, going full circle. I remember that was concreted when one of the first mushroom journeys was a, a bad trip for me that so-called bad trip because um, I think it was like my third time doing them. And we were so excited because a friend, Josh's parents were out of town. We were going to get the mushrooms, have a huge tea party. Everybody's excited about it. And we go and Mr. Humphrey's mowing his lawn. The principal's mowing his lawn and he's cutting up all the, the mushrooms. We're like, no. So we were so, de we were so desperate and so bummed. It was like total buzzkill. And yet we got word that there were these blue ringers growing, these mushrooms growing in another development of fertilized lawn. So we went over there. Now we're the guys that we would see in Mr. Humphrey's yard, like running through when the word got out, they were like picking mushrooms out of the yard and stuff. Pretty daring souls, right? Running through the principal's yard, picking mushrooms. So we are those guys now. It's almost nighttime and we're running through these random yards and just eating these blue ringers straight out of the yard. And I remember like just started getting that first pulse of huge wave of this truth serum of mushrooms flowing through my body. And it usually would kick in on me faster than my friends and the group I'm with. So I'm getting this huge flood of like, whoa, did I eat too many? And of course, an old friend, a guy in our crew shows up and I grew up in a little town, North Bend, Washington, that's a bunch of hicks and you know everybody had fur by fur. And so Jimmy Fisher shows up and he goes, he goes, y'all, y'all are just eating them right out of the yard. And I was like, yeah. He goes, whoa, you don't want to do that, man. I like, what do you mean? He goes, you can get heartworms. And I was like, what? <laughs> heartworms? This is the worst thing you could that you could possibly hear while you're coming up on this euphoric, you know, ride of mushroom journey. And, and so I learned a lot from that experience because it took me on this deep downward spiral of like, oh my gosh, I think I have one. Like my heart's beating like a drum and I freaked out. It was this intense anxiety <laughs> and it took me on like literally this downward spiral. And, and I had to remember what I learned from my LSD experience that I get to choose which, which thoughts I identify with. And so it was like, well, this is an illusion. I, I don't even know that I have one actually. I just picked up this information from this guy who could just be messing with me, you know, some urban legend that he picked up. And so I really had to like pull out of this, um, you know, downward spiral. And another friend was like, even on a deeper level than me in a, in a deep dive journey, he was like, 
He was like, I can't take it, man. You got, you guys, you got to take me to the hospital. And I got to get a shot. And we're like, no, <laughs> that is not what you want. <laughs> One, we are way too high to take you anywhere close to the hospital. Two, trust me, that's not what you want. So like I realized like, wow, I was just identifying with these thoughts that aren't true. And then they create a visceral experience and emotions in my body. And so I got to pull out of that nosedive and then so kind of help hold space for, for my friend to too. Like, no, we're going to fucking pull out of the nosedive, like you say. Yeah. And that, like, I, <clears throat> I've found myself a few times in, in deeper ceremonies where I'm in like a spiral that's like, and just, I, I'm almost like completely surrendered to, okay, we're going to go down into the famine and of the whole world and experience the famine of planet earth. And then it almost starts again. And I'm like, what again? Like, and then, mm -hmm. and then I go, and then I'll just smile. Whoom, and it's like rainbows and yeah. butterflies and unicorns and mushroom is just yep. like, oh no, yeah, you get to choose anytime you want yep. to flip the switch. And with the LSD, it's like a knife edge with me. It's like completely yes. freaking out in psychosis yeah. in my mind, or I'm crying with love pouring through me. Mm -hmm. It's quite intense that way. Yeah, um, what a thank what, you what so a gift, much right? for sharing those. Oh, the the experience of a lifetime, like to 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 be handed the handed back the keys, or be shown that you have the keys to the car the whole time. Yes. Um, so yeah, thank you for sharing those epic, epic and hilarious stories. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I I, I just want to double check. I thought I heard on Eric Godsey's podcast that he said mm -hmm. that you were like in your forties. How old are you? Yeah, 43 years young on this earth. Okay, so you definitely look like you're 33. So you're doing something right. And I think yeah, your your physical expression is obviously uh, um, in, in alignment with your massive heart and all the good work that you're doing. And obviously, like, you're, you, you're having the best time. As a man in 2022, who seems like you're living on your purpose, you're having a great time, you've got beautiful family, and you've been through all these crazy experiences. And as a brother, I am really curious around like what your relationship to your own inner masculine and feminine, particularly masculine mm -hmm. and looks like, and what, how, where in your journey did you come to realize that there was like, or did it just kind of unfold naturally where, cause for me, I'm, I feel like I'm stepping into uh, a more evolved, um, uh, masculinity within me mm -hmm. um, that wants to be expressed through me and in the, at the same time letting go of like a juvenile masculinity which is like feels like a teenage rebel that wants to like fuck mm -hmm. the system and to the point where yep. I'm actually fucking myself over and right what advice do you have for me and other other men who are being men right now and mm -hmm. are you involved in a men's circle have you done any men's work and mm -hmm. what's that look like for you in your life right now yeah absolutely i i've created men's circles because they impacted me so much so that was a, mm -hmm. a big chapter and when first uh, when i began coaching empowered men's brotherhood and uh, online programs and so that was a great inspiration for me because i knew the men's work was so important and um it's a dance we are both masculine and feminine, and the more we can enjoy the dance between them, then we can find balance and harmony within ourselves and tap into that natural state of inner peace that's always available to us. And 
that's by honoring anything that gets in the way, honoring and learning from anything that gets in the way of our natural state of inner peace, the triggers, the, the old things. So that one of the best, you know, there's the inner peace process is the most profound thing that I've developed that's been able to go to the depths of where there's friction, old programs running, limiting beliefs and trapped emotions and resolve all those in one to two sittings. And so in doing that, a lot of dreams come true on the other end of that, because then you're just clearing your vessel to allow the universe to flow through you. And then the universe wants to experience you super rich. The experience wants, the universe wants to experience you in your full, you know, vitality and sharing your gifts with the world and what it's like to, to be on that path of purpose. The universe wants to experience you um, in the greatest love ever. And so it's all a love story. So the more we can get to know those parts, both masculine and feminine within us, then it's so much easier to accept and honor ourselves, right? And then it's so much easier for mm -hmm. self-love practices and filling our cup on a consistent basis so that we can enjoy this human journey like a vacation vibration instead yeah. of needing to take it so seriously yeah. all the time, right? So, uh, you know, to, to answer your question, I offer um, an exercise that is uh, a great psychological practice for, um, it's called name that voice. And we all have these voices running in our heads, right? These uh, different, different parts of us that want to take the wheel per se and go on detours, right? So you mentioned the inner rebel. I have one too, I call him the Tasmanian devil. And I give him a name. <laughs> And I gave him a, a visual, right? The blah, 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 right? Because he just wants to throw, like, he wants to take rules and just bend them and break them because he's like, who created that rule in the first place? And it doesn't, who's it actually serving? Like, there's no, he questions all of that. And so yeah. there was a time when I got in a lot of trouble and I used to try to avoid that part of me or push it out or not, you know, oh, this is bad. Is a bad part of me, so I need to exile that part of me. Guess what happens? Mm -hmm. That which we resist just persists. And so he would just be louder and pull the wheel even harder where we're going on my path, right? So instead, yeah. the only thing that I found that worked was actually getting to know these parts, these voices. And so giving him a name, a fun character that I can visualize so I know, oh, uh, Tasmanian devil's like taken, been, been driving for a little while. Right. And you can imagine it as like your, your car, your spaceship is driving on this journey through the human experience. And you got your whole family, your whole team with you, right? Each one's a different voice. And so you're managing all these different voices and they all want to be seen, heard, appreciated and loved. Right. And so that was what changed everything for me was getting to know this inner rebel, giving him a name, a fun character, and understanding his purpose. That was a big one. So once I understood, wow, I know why this, you know, part of my family, my team is always trying to take the wheel. His purpose is to make sure that I'm never getting in line with a bunch of sheep just conforming silly rules and mandates and statutes to fall off some cliff just because everybody's doing it. So understanding that, I love that part of me. I love, I found, I found admiration 
appreciation and love for that part of me. And then it's easy to have an internal dialogue with him when I catch him trying to drive. And so it, it just goes like, Hey, I appreciate you wanting to go no masks, you know, and I actually love doing that experiment. You know, I would go to the airport and just let him drive sometimes and just be like this whole mm. thing from the airport to flight to the airport. I'm not even going to wear a mask and play with these silly rules and stuff. Right. And just see what happens. It was fun. It was like a Jedi experiment of like noticing when people get triggered, maneuvering through it. And like, and, um, and it went, it went well, you know, you'd be amazed how thirsty you can get on a flight. Right. Every time the stewardess would like, <laughs> look at me, like your mask. I was like, just, just drinking over here. I don't know why you keep bothering me. Yeah. And, and, uh, so that's letting that part drive consciously. Whereas oftentimes it's unconsciously these parts of us are taking the wheel and steering us in a different direction and catching that gamifying it, noticing like, Oh, my, you know, my Tasmanian devil or my Pac-Man's been driving. Pac-Man is like the over consumer. Right. And that was the first one I identified because I used to try to run from this, get, I used to try to get this voice out of my head. It was like creating sabotage. I would just over consume. Let's go out for one drink. And then it would turn into five or eight drinks. And then it was like a huge dinner, smorgasbord, sugar. And then I'd wake up like, ah, well, if it isn't my own consequences from my own actions, I feel like <laughs> crap again. Right. And so getting to know that part, finally calling him Pac-Man, understanding his purpose. He wants to make sure that I'm not missing out on all the greatest pleasures and, and like tasty things and treats in life. Right. So I can appreciate that. Mm -hmm. And so that inner dialogue with him is like, hey, let's go enjoy one drink and actually enjoy it like it's our last drink ever. We would enjoy every sip like it's a, you know, experience we're going to write a novel about the textures, the flavors, the, and so he loves that. He's like, oh, we get to up our enjoyment. Awesome. So then he could take the back seat, enjoy the ride. My higher self's driving again. So this is a practice that I take a lot of clients through that has been a game changer for getting to know thyself, right? And then, yeah. then you can recognize when these parts are taking the wheel and you can love on that teenager, that rebel, instead of trying to exile him or hate on him. Cause that's the equivalent of like, mm. you got your family on a, on an epic trip and your drunk uncle is getting out of hand and everybody's <laughs> getting sick of him. So we've had it, we pull over and we're like, you're out of here, you kick him out. And then you keep driving the rest of the family. Well, that's a voice in your head that doesn't just go away. It's like your drunk uncle just got arrested for drunk in public and now he's thrown in jail. Now we got to turn the car around and go rescue him and bail him out of jail. And we got more problems, right? Doesn't go anywhere. It's, it's the so same funny. thing for these voices. So <laughs> it's like yeah. getting to know them, integrating them, integrating these parts, these family dynamics within ourselves as a team. And, and it's all um, aspects of our ego that have been, that came online as like protectors at some point early in our life, you know, something happened that we didn't know how to deal with. So these parts come online, these psychological parts to try to protect us. Most of them are protectors. And so, um, I have a judge dread, you know, he's like, I am the law and he's, you know, that he's always <laughs> quick to judge when I meet people or things like that. And I'll, I'll recognize him. And I, I can see, like, I know why you're doing that. It's okay. We don't have to do that. You know, um, I got this and he'll let my higher self drive more, you know, but he's hardwired from our, you know, medieval days, even, you know, of like, 
you had to know really quick if it was friend or foe that you were dealing with, whether you could trust someone mm -hmm. really quick meant your life. So, so it's like, he's been hardwired and I can appreciate that part of me. So loving and appreciating on these parts and understanding their purpose allows them to take the back seat. So our higher self is driving more and it's so much easier to navigate life mm -hmm. in that way and integrating and, and appreciating these parts instead of trying to exile them. So try that so, on yeah, for size. Like not, not pushing and, them away at all. No, that it's does like, not work. That, that definitely <laughs> hasn't worked for me. That hasn't worked right. for me. It's like the, the, right. the, the inner rebel teenager that just wants to like overthrow the government and stuff. And it's like, right. it feels, it, as you were saying that, it feels like a, um, a slightly different, reframe sort of of the um what i've been learning from a book called the king warrior magician lover mm -hmm. which is like a the men's sort of archetypical king which is would be your higher self i suppose overseeing yep. everything else and the magician which like knows into the future but the shadow mm -hmm. of the magician is like you can manipulate people and he's in cohorts with the shadow lover who just wants pleasure the whole time and yep. um and then the warrior, which I feel like I'm really working on bringing back online right now for me, the warrior is like the, um, the boundary setter and mm -hmm. the person, the part of me that gets out of bed in the morning and does the hard thing yeah. that needs to be done. And it's all serving the kingdom, yep. um, of which the king kind of oversees the whole thing. And right. would you say like, um, your everything that you're explaining now that you've learned and that you've integrated and that you're embodying in your life is crucial in that next phase of being a man where you step into fatherhood because that's something that's like on the horizon for me um i don't know how or when or when that's, sure. that's going to happen but i know that i want to have kids and so that's a big mm -hmm. driver for me in terms of like understanding my my inner world a little bit more yes. so like you say i can do a bit more work so that my kids mm -hmm. don't have to do they'll just do some other work no yeah. doubt i'll give them some other shit to deal with but like how how has that impacted your you being a father doing this this work this inner work game changer game changer it's been yeah. i still take my own medicine i still take the inner peace process often when i get triggered i still but now it's like a, a lens of curiosity when i go into ooh, somebody just made me upset that's really fascinating you know how and then i dive into that and realize like wherever i'm pointing the finger of like this person pissed me off because they did this 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 that's literally pointing to where I'm giving my energy away. And then there's always these, right. these fingers pointing back to the source of that. And through this process, I'll recognize, oh, I wasn't very clear on my boundaries. I wasn't very clear on communicating my needs and how are they supposed to know this and blah, 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 right? So those epiphanies, those golden nuggets can come from having a process to see the lessons and blessings in it. In, in the most uncomfortable feelings. How is it happening for me? And beginning that self-inquiry uh, makes it more of an adventure inward instead of like this thing to dread or avoid and getting to know each of those parts and recognizing that all those voices are archetypes that are here on your team. Our ego has been getting a bad rap, right? Your ego is an important tour guide through this human experience, right? We, we, we can't do this without it. And, and so, yeah, you can experience moments of uh, having no ego and that's amazing. Yet the ego is here to, for a purpose. And so these are all different elements of our ego to help us know thyself more, right? Mm -hmm. So they're a 
great tour guide for keeping us safe as they best think, as the ego best thinks that is, which is oftentimes going back to even uncomfortable comfort zones because it feel, it knows we can survive there. So the ego wants to make yeah. sure we survive. I'm familiar right? with that for sure. Right. Yeah, and like so familiar, even though it's like uncomfortable sometimes and it's like, I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but it's just familiar. And it's like, mm -hmm. but I, I also have to like, I find that I also have to bump off that bottom sometime to just be like, I actually can't handle this anymore. I need to make a change. Is that, mm -hmm. is that okay? That I've Absolutely. Had bump, rock bottom moments. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, change any, you change is inevitable, right? We can either uh, try to avoid change, which is super painful. <laughs> that doesn't work too well. We can accept change, right? Which is a lot more useful, or we can create change. So those are, those are three options with change and creating change is that's where you can step into your creator, you know, archetype. Like each of us are really powerful creators. That's like choosing instead of, to stay safe with the tour guide, your ego, it's allowing your soul to tap into the power that's capable here and your God-given gifts of sharing those in a way that feels exciting, that feels joyous. Yeah. Then you know you're on the path. And all you need to know is right. just keep taking action in the direction of that and it'll steer you. And then your, your internal compass is your emotions. You know, the further you get from your soul's purpose of why you came into this human experience. And there's probably multiple purposes, right? And missions, but the further you get from that path, that's okay. You could choose that too. You're going to feel more depression. You're going to feel more anxiety. You're going to feel more of the depths of these heavy emotions and these uncomfortable feelings. And that's cool. You can choose that. Nothing wrong with that. But the more you deal with those emotions and have a process for that, it helps you come back to your path of purpose. And then you can learn something mm -hmm. from here. And when we learn the lessons and blessings mm -hmm. of feeling depressed, of, you know, feeling anxious, then, then it's like, you don't need to go revisit that as much. <laughs> it's like, thank you. Yeah. That's why I like answering the door to anxiety and having tea with anxiety was like, he's an old friend. He had an important message to me. He was like, he's like, dude, it's time to get to work. You got some amazing ideas to create. You're a creator. What are you doing consuming all this yeah. crap for? And I was like, you're right. Yeah. So that, and now I'll just get a little glimpse, like a little feather. It's not even, I can't even call it anxiety. It's like a little uncomfortable feeling of this energy that I'm familiar with. It's like, hey, ah, yeah. you're starting to get a little off course here. You can course correct mm -hmm. if you'd like. And I appreciate that. That's, that's a so good, that's a dear friend. That's, yeah, I've, I've, that, I know what you're, you're saying there and to recently i found that there has been a hint of guilt that my life isn't as hard as other people's sometimes mm -hmm. and so i'll make it hard to make yep. it feel like when i've done something good that i've earned it because i've come from yeah. it and now i'm starting to do that less and less and less and it's a, um what it looks like for me is if i find myself in a bit of a pattern of addiction that it's uh i will not shame myself and not like bring the mm -hmm. vibration even lower down into it and i'm just be like fully accepting of exactly where i am now and yeah. like go inwards and tap into that part of me that the part of me that doesn't even know judgment that part of me right that, to me that's like the truest part of me like my soul yeah and when i'm seeing and witnessing everything from that part of me 
it all just comes up again and 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 then i don't have to spiral down into a rock bottom right right um but dude i i appreciate so much you spending time with us and sharing mm-hmm. sharing all of your codes and your wisdom i'm feeling like i'm coming into my highest excitement just by being able to share this space with you and know that thousands of people are going to listen to this um those who are listening to this how can they find you and what do you have to offer absolutely for everybody right now in this chapter yeah easiest way to connect is charlesclay.coach and that shares on there you'll see the laser focus method like the program you're doing it's only 222 right now amazing deal for helping you step into that creator consciousness sharing more of your gifts talents passions healthy celebrations so get that it's a great place to start and as a side effect of that oftentimes you experience more abundance and your bank account increases just by stepping into that path of purpose and then um, we, we're just releasing right now uh, Freedom from Pain, which is an amazing online course. It was a group training that we did. It was incredible. Um, got some amazing results and stories from that. And now that's an online evergreen course. So they can get that online too. And uh, as well as um, applying for some one-on-one work to experience the inner peace process and um, some of the immersive deep dive retreats and weekend immersions that I take people on. And those involve some plant medicines too, optionally, if it's in the highest. And so that can all be found at uh, charlesclay.coach. And there's a free gift for everyone there, everyone listening. Just sign up for the newsletter at the bottom. Just put your email in and I'll shoot you an email with my guided alignment activation. And this is amazing uh, mix of movement, breath work, and meditation that I've refined down to 22 minutes that allows you to um, use this as your morning ritual, come into full sovereignty anytime you're feeling, you know, out of, in a funk or out of alignment, this is a great practice. Um, So it's a fun, free gift to give you an experience of some of this medicine and love to hear from you guys what you think of it, uh, how it goes for you. And feel free to reach out on Instagram as well, charlesclay.coach there too, and um, shoot me a, a DM. Any of this resonates, love to dive deeper with you. I love connecting, so um, don't hesitate to reach out. And that was one of my initiations early on, was trying to do it all myself. This was one of the masculine versions of me that's like, ah, I'm getting hit with my emotions and tough stuff, and I just need to go to my man cave. and isolate and figure this all out before i can come out as a superhero again that's the old way of of evolving Uh, there's an easier way follow your intuition to those people that you resonate with ask for support reach out Um, you deserve amazing support on this journey we're all in this together so we can help fill in those puzzle pieces and even if it's not with me i have an incredible amount of resources um, to help people on this self-healing journey so um, it's pleasure and an honor Dude, and I'm really excited for you, brother. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Benjamin, me too. You're such an I'm incredible father. Excuse my friend. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, and man. that's Thank that's you. one thing I gave up as a, as a father. I, I gave up cuss words. And I just got a glimpse of like, man, if my girls grow up to be cussing like a sailor because I couldn't 
think of more creative vocabulary. I don't know if I could live with myself. And so it's been fun. Funk, yeah. yeah. Funk, yeah. And <laughs> flip, yes. So it's, uh, you're, oh, you're going to be an incredible father. I feel your energy of aligning on your purpose. You're doing it right now. You have an amazing gift of getting to share and connect people with great information, with um, big hearts. And you're a connector, so I appreciate the work that you're doing in the world. And keep it up; you're doing great. Much love. That means a lot, Charles. Thank、mm. you. Much love to you, brother. Peace. <laughs>